Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 18. That's page 800 in the, uh, in the Bibles there, page 800. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, take one. Please be a Bible thief. Steal one. We're giving away. You can't steal a Bible. It's free Bible day. Um, it's always free Bible day here at Life Tree, and so I uh, encourage you to please take a Bible. Um, if you want to give it away to a friend, you can do that as well. I love buying more Bibles, so take as many as you'd like. So, oh, here we go. Oh, in case it freezes. There we go. All right. Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, I know. I, it says 8.30. That's right, right? 8.30? <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. All right. So, um, today we're going to continue our series on miracles um, And uh, if you weren't here in week one, we kicked it off on Easter. We talked about the miracle of forgiveness, how God offers forgiveness to all of us. Like, isn't that that incredible? That in itself is the greatest miracle of all, that everything we've done wrong, God makes right. That's just incredible. That's an incredible miracle. Um, Week two, we talked about the miracle of provision. This was last week, that you already have all you need. Think about it. You know, we get so worried about every day and our bills and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, let me tell you. God's got it. He's got it all. He owns it all. You've got a bank account with your name on it, and he's the executor, and he continues to disperse every every day what you need. And they say, he's got it all. It's already there. So you've got to trust him to, to be the disperser, but he'll do it. Um, so it's really just a, it's a miracle of provision. And today we're going to talk about healing um, and uh, the miracle of healing. And I'll be honest with you. Um, I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been a Christian for even longer. And I have yet to figure this one out. I don't know if anybody's a Christian who has the corner on healing where you understand everything that works with this. Um, if, if you do, please email me. I would love to buy you lunch and, and figure out the secret because um, I have no idea why God heals some people and not others. I'm being honest with you. I'm supposed to be helping you. I know. I'm supposed to be. um, But I can't figure it out. I really can't figure this one out. And I thought, how do I open today and talk about healing and inspiring? And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to. I can't. I don't know. The reality is I don't understand healing. It's very confusing to me. It's very frustrating to me. There are times I wish I knew it better. And I've been doing this for a long time. And I should think by now, I mean, I have a degree in the Bible. Right? I'm a pastor for, I know I'm not old, but I'm not young. Right, I'm kind of in the middle there, getting into that. Yeah, like I can't figure this out. I don't understand it. But the reality is that I believe that this church, the church that God wants to build here, our town doesn't need another church that believes in a big God but doesn't know how to apply it. Right? There's a disconnect between saying God is awesome, God heals. I believe that stuff, but when you see us in practice, there's none of it. That's a problem. Our town doesn't need a church like that. They need a church that, that is filled with power. You don't need another thing to do. I don't need another thing to do. We need the living God to be at work in my life to heal and to do the things he said he could do. But I don't understand how that works. And so there's, there's gap. There's a tension here. And the reality is, I, I don't understand God. And so when you talk about healing, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you inside go, eh, it's going to be weird. Uh, like, where's this going to go? Right? Because when, here's the thing, God, talking about the power of God, God is a lion. 
Are lions safe? No. No, they're not safe. And I love the line from Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, talking about the lion. He said, are going to meet a lion. The lion, is he safe? Of course he isn't safe. He's a lion. He's the king of the beasts. But he's good. He's good, I tell you. I'm telling you, the God that we serve, he's a lion. Charles Spurgeon said, I, I defend the gospel the same way I defend a lion. I get out of the way. Just get out of the way. God is a lion. So here, my goal for today is to just say, okay, God, I'm going to invite you and your lion spirit, your healing, powerful spirit that I don't understand, but I definitely can't control. See, and the problem is if I want to invite the healing, but I, but I want to control it and make sure that it's not weird for people, right? But I can't do that because he's a lion and I can't control that. But I know that I want the power of God. Do you understand the tension? How many of you feel this tension? Or you understand what I'm talking about? You know, you get it. Some of you maybe don't understand. That's okay. But I'm telling you, there's tension. But the truth is, the more I think about this, I'm not afraid of what God will do. Come on. Really? Like, if he's so good, why are we afraid of this? Right? So today, yeah, I know. Some of you are going, oh, I know, I know, I feel it too. But here's the deal. I believe God wants to heal. And I believe there are people that need healing. And we need to invite a God who maybe can't be controlled. And I don't know how he's going to work. So I like to think that our church is logical and, 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 and you know, appropriate. And God is a God of order and all that kind of stuff. But I believe God wants to heal today. So we're going to dive in and say, God, would you do what you want to do? And if you don't ever want to come back, you know what? I understand. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to be the kind of church that wants God to just be God. Whatever that looks like, I'm in. Right? And I don't want to control him. I don't want to control him. I need the full power of God in play in my life, and I think our community needs that as well, and we need it. So we're going for it. Okay, so listen, I will close my eyes 10 seconds. If you want to run out, go ahead. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can do it later. Um, So here we go. Luke chapter 18. I'm going to start in verse 35. Okay? And uh, it says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, which is a city, it says, A blind beggar was sitting beside the road. Okay. Now, for some context, um, in that culture, those with disabilities uh, often occupied a role in society um, as beggars because as part of the religious or, uh, community that they were in, they had an obligation to support, to, to help the needy, to help the poor. So they had an obligation to give. That was part of their religious requirements of being, you know, of being a Jew. A good Jew had to give. So beggars actually made it easy for them to satisfy that part of their religious requirement. Do you understand this? So that was actually so beggars were actually doing a service to the Jewish people around them, and when they would actually when they would give money to the beggar, the beggar would stand up or or yell or, or declare, "I declare this person to be righteous and noble," and and they would they would declare their praises publicly for everybody. That person would feel good about themselves. They would get credit for giving it. The beggar would get their stuff, and there was this system that they had going on. Okay, so there's this, this interplay of give and take. Um, and it worked out. Now, this guy, we find out this, this, this same story is also in, in Mark, um, and that his name was Bartimaeus. Okay, he was a, a blind man named Bartimaeus. Um, the name actually translates. It's a really good name. You should think about this, parents, for, if, your kids, if you haven't had kids yet, or maybe grandparents want to suggest it for your kids. But Bartimaeus means son of filth. That's a, yes. So if anybody would like to, you know, name their child Bartimaeus, go ahead. Um, now, Bartimaeus would have had no education, 
uh, because he was blind, so he wouldn't have been taught anything, right? So no skills. He's just a beggar. Um, <clears throat> now, at that time in history, um, when dignitaries would come into the town uh, from, from neighbor or the city from, from far off, um, as a show of respect, the community, the town people, would go out to greet them outside the city limits and walk them in, you know, as sort of like the show of respect and honor. And the, the more important the person, the farther they would walk to greet them. It was said that, you know, for when king came to a city, they made him 10 miles out and walked him in for 10 miles. So there'd be this crowd, and, and obviously some people didn't feel like walking that far. You know, you had your real eager beavers, you know, your brown nosers that are like really out there 10 miles, and then, then like 8 miles, and, you know, people would kind of work away. So the crowd would get bigger and bigger as they got closer because people were like, ah, I'll meet them like 100 feet out. You know, that'd be like a lot of people. So, But as they would gather, the crowd would grow and grow and escort this person into the city. So you've got Bartimaeus, who's there, right? You've got this crowd coming, um, and Jesus walking in, crowd's coming, and Bartimaeus hears it. So let's try to put ourselves in this story. So I'm going to ask you to do something kind of interesting for a minute, if you're willing. Um, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, um, to identify with Bartimaeus in this story, just for the next few minutes while I continue to read, would you close your eyes? Pretend like you're blind. All right, so just close your eyes. Seriously, I'm going to read the story. I'm going to talk. Would you just, just to maintain this, would you close your eyes? And that's up to you. But if you want to, keep them closed. It'll be, it'll be interesting. So I'm going to read the story now. It says, when he heard the noise, when Bartimaeus heard the noise of a crowd going past. So imagine hearing crowds. Imagine you can, you can hear that. He asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This beggar's trying to shout over the noise. He uses the term son of David, which acknowledges that Jesus' identity as Messiah was only used one other time in all the gospel accounts. They're trying to welcome Jesus and honor him, and this beggar is messing up their scene. You know, it's like when you go to the movies, you know, keep your eyes closed. When you go to the movies, right, and people are talking, you're like, come on, man, keep it quiet, right? Anybody, if, if you get annoyed, you don't have to raise your hand, but maybe if you're that person that gets annoyed when somebody's talking at the movies, um, I may or may not have my hand up. Um, be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. He's yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. They're yelling at him. They're yelling at him. Literally, they're saying, shut your mouth. But here it says, Bartimaeus only shouted louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Be quiet. And he gets louder and louder and louder. Do you know anybody like that? The more you ask them to stop, the louder they get. Okay? You may be related to people like that. All right? So crowds are welcoming Jesus. There's a blind man screaming on the side of the road for attention. Right? Put yourself in this story. Right? Keep your eyes closed. Here we go. Now eventually it says, eventually he's, he's screaming. Eventually Jesus hears him. And he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. He gets what he wants, an audience with Jesus. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him the question of all questions. Here's what Jesus asks him. Blind man, can't see, but he's standing in front of Jesus. And he hears this question coming from a voice in front of him. And the voice says this. What do you want me to do for you? Let's pause. Eyes still closed. Think about this. The guy is blind and he's a beggar. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Is Jesus playing dumb? I mean, come on, the guy's blind. Wouldn't it be pretty obvious? What seems to be the problem, my good man? I can't see you. Of course, I, you know, what's the problem? What, what can I do for you? It's important to note that anytime Jesus asks a question throughout Scripture, he doesn't do it for his own benefit. It's not because he doesn't know. 
he always asks a question for the benefit of the one who has to answer. So what do you want me to do for you? For some reason, Jesus wants this man to identify exactly what he wants. There's something in that that's going on. And this guy is ready with his answer. Bartimaeus does not hesitate. Lord, he says, I want to see. I want to see. Almost there. Seems like the expected answer, right? But this beggar could have asked for money. Sight wasn't going to solve his problems. Right? If healed, he's going to be a completely uneducated, unemployed adult male with no viable source of income, no longer able to rely on begging, but he can see. Sight wouldn't have healed, wouldn't have solved all his problems. But no hesitation. I want to see. 42, it says, Then Jesus said, All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Your faith has healed you. It's interesting. Healed means saved. The use, the use of the word healed here, Jesus doesn't say your faith has fixed your eyes. He says your faith has healed your soul. Because of your faith, Jesus goes beyond the physical. It's because of your faith. How does this guy have faith? Well, it's pretty clear he had faith because he's shouting. If he's shouting, it's because he believes Jesus can actually do something about his situation. It's evident by his request because he asked for the impossible. I want to see. If you're asking for something like that, it's because you believe the person you're asking that can do something about it. So he's shouting, he's asking for the impossible, and he called Jesus son of David, which is a messianic term, about the Messiah. He believed Jesus was who he said he was. And his faith resulted in salvation. Verse 43 says this, Instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Here's the thing. In that moment, his request was granted. Think about this. Darkness blasted with light. Right? Unbelievable. Blackness bursting into color. Like you had your eyes closed there. And that wasn't that long, but you had your eyes closed there, right? And you, you begin, when you open it, you see, right? You see things. Sounds become connected with sights. Movement for the first time. Now voices come from faces instead of just, I kind of hear a voice and you're, you're doing this. Now you can actually see where the voice is coming from. You heard me telling a story. Now listen, we, we only had your eyes closed for a few minutes. This guy's been blind from birth. Never had seen before. This man had spent his life depending on others. Now has been granted life-changing freedom to go wherever he wants. Think about that. You know, like we take for granted the gift of sight. Anybody? You take for granted the gift of sight. If anybody has issues with your eyes, we're going to pray for healing, but if you have issues with your eyes, you understand. You probably appreciate more your sight than anybody else. This man has freedom now to go wherever he wants, and his first decision, what's the very first thing this guy chooses to do when he gets his sight? I'm going to follow Jesus. He could do anything. I want to run and see, you know, I want to see this. I want to see that. I want to see, I want to follow you, Jesus. It's confirmation that Jesus healed more than the guy's retinas. His life would never be the same. So here we go. It's working. It's working. The watch is working. So what? So what? So Jesus healed a blind man 2,000 years ago. So what? We all have brokenness that keeps us from being all we could be. We all have affirmities and afflictions. This man was blind. 
Where do you need healing? Do you need physical healing? Is there something that you deal with every day that maybe nobody knows about? Is there something that you deal with? Do you deal with headaches or maybe you deal with arthritis or, you know, internal issues? This man would live with blindness every moment of every day. So the question for you is, what are you living with? Because we all have something. Nobody's got a perfect body. All our bodies, these bodies are, let me tell you, these bodies, oh, that's the best part of heaven. Glorified bodies. Anybody wake up this morning and you're just like, oh, things just hurt. Like, all I did was sleep. And I hurt. Right? If you... I'm telling you, you gotta got, got to get the curve pillows, you get you try all the different stuff. We got sleep number beds. Just sleeping is hard stuff, right? You can get hurt sleeping. Um, you think I'm kidding, right? You know it. You know the truth. How many of you gotten hurt sleeping? You wake up and you're like, my back is out, my neck is out, right? You know, it's, it's, it's telling you. What are you living with? Where do you need healing? Because we all need healing somewhere. And here's the, I love this, this truth. Healing is God's idea. We didn't come up with it. We didn't think, oh, it would be really cool if we asked God to heal us. No, God said, I'm your healer. And he told us, you ask me for healing. Jesus walks up to the guy and says, what do you want me to do? Like, healing is God's idea. It comes from him. So this is not the desire of our hearts when God's going, okay, I guess. He initiated. He said, I will be your healer. So if, here's the, here's, if I asked you the same question that Jesus asked the man, what would you say? If I said, what do you want me to do for you? If you've ever gotten an email from me, I probably says, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Right? Like that's kind of like my, you know, I, I, it's just something that God's put in on my heart. Just, I do that. I ask, what can I do for you? I want to help. How can I help? But if I ask you that question, the reality is you're going to base your answer on your expectations of me based on what you think I realistically am going to do for you. I'm good. You can pray for me, Pastor. I know. Listen, I'm serious with that. You can ask. Whatever you need. You need you know, help moving, whatever you need. Like You can ask. But you're going to base your response based on what you believe I can do for you. So if your parent or spouse or a best friend asks you, what can I do for you? You may ask them something different than you ask me because you've got different expectations of them. Now, what if your boss asks you that? Right? Or a coworker asks you that, what can I do for you? Or, right? You're going to answer differently. Now, what if the richest person in the world says, what can I do for you? All. <laughs> what can you do for me? Well, let's see. I have a list right here. You know, like, like right? That's because it adjusts based on who's asking. So what if the smartest person in the world asked you that? What would you ask? What, is there anything I can do for you, smartest person in the world? Oh, that's an interesting one. What would you ask the smartest person in the world? They said, what can I do for you? So obviously you know where I'm going. What if Jesus was right here, right now, asking you that? What if Jesus was standing in front of you and said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? How would you answer? Because here's the truth of the morning. Jesus is standing here right now asking you, what do you want me to do for you? He is. He's asking. Do we live fully expecting God to, to work in our life?
Because he's standing right here. You say, thanks, Jesus. I just pray for me. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Do you have the boldness, the courage, and the faith to ask? Because we all have needs. See, healing's not our idea. It's God's idea. He says, ask. But the problem is all the other stuff gets in the way, right? But for some reason, God wants you to answer that question. And he isn't asking because he doesn't know. God, why, why should I have to answer? Don't you know everything about me? Absolutely. God never asks a question for his own benefit. So there's something in it for you and me. There's something about you answering that question. What do you want me to do for you? God wants you to name it. Because it does something inside of us when we wrestle with it and identify it. What do you really want God to do for you? That's a big question, right? We're forced to confront the reality that we can't fix it. See, when we name it, something happens. Here's what happens. You confront this reality that you can't fix it. By naming it, I'm admitting that I can't fix it. First thing, I'm admitting I can't do this. The second thing I'm admitting is that I believe, God, you actually can so it's funny, in the naming of it, it's amazing what actually happens in there. It's not just naming, but in naming it, I can't fix it, but God, I believe you can. It's a declaration of faith in naming it. What do you want? I want to see. Whoa. What do you really want? It, it reveals something about what you believe to be true about God. What are you asking for? And inherent in the asking is trust. It's the difference between a question and a demand. God says, ask for healing. He doesn't say, demand it. A demand means I'm asking and I expect you to give this to me now. That's a demand. He doesn't say, demand healing. Just pray for healing. Ask for healing. Because inherent in the asking is the potential that it may not happen. Right? If my kids come to me and say, I would like candy. That's a question. Inherent in the question is the possibility that I may say no. The overwhelming likelihood that I will say no. But on the rare chance, right, there's a chance I may say, sure, you can have candy. But inherent in the question is the reality, the understanding that there's a possibility of a no. So when we go to God for healing, in the question is this trust that I'm going to ask, but I realize there may be a no because I trust in your goodness. I'm going to ask. God asks what we want. And we tell him, we do not demand, we simply answer the question. And answering the question acknowledges the decision is not up to me. Answering the question acknowledges the decision is in the hand of the one being asked. Naming is a step of faith. So today I ask you, and Jesus is asking you, what do you want God to do for you? I hope today you're feeling, because I'm feeling it. But this is where the rubber meets the road. Do we believe in a big God or not? We want to talk about it, but yeah, I'm, okay. I'm good. No, you're not. None of us are good. We need healing in our lives. Jesus says you don't have because you don't ask. We don't ask because we don't actually believe he's going to do it. 
Is he God or not? We believe in a big God. Where is it? Anything's possible. God says anything's possible. If he can forgive us, he can, if he can forgive our sins, yeah, he, he can deal with your cranky knee. He can do anything. I'm going to invite Nikki to come on up as we, we're going to transition here and close. But there's still a problem here. And here's the last problem. So many things try to keep us quiet. We sit on the side of the road, unable to fix our brokenness, unable to heal our afflictions, and we want Jesus to heal us. And so many things tell us to be quiet. Jesus, Son of Mercy, David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Be quiet. Doubt. Be quiet. God doesn't really care. God can't really heal you. To be honest, I've never seen it like that. I've never seen healing, so I don't, I just doubt. I want it to be true, but I don't have a hard time. I'm a, I'm a thinking person. I'm a, not a feeler, neither am I. But I just doubt that God really is going to heal in this moment. I don't have an expectation of that. I don't have faith for it. And doubt says, be quiet. Be quiet. And then there's the fear. Right? The fear of stepping out of being labeled. Oh, they're woo-woo. That's what I call them. Woo-woos. Woo-woos. Super spiritual. Woo-woo. They're out there. What if I shout and nothing happens? What if I shout and Jesus just keeps on walking? What if nobody answers? Then I look dumb. And I feel dumb. And then, and then what's going to happen to my faith if I step out and God doesn't do it? And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going to doubt God then. It's going to lead somewhere bad. So I'll just live and stay where I am because I, I like this kind of Christianity. So we've got doubt and we've got fear. And there's just a straight up confusion. I just don't understand this. If I don't understand it, I don't want to step out because I don't really get it all. I'd rather wait until I understand it before I make a move. I'm here to tell you, you could stay there for the rest of your life. Because I've been in this for a long time and I can't figure it out. And there are people much older than me who've been doing this for a lot longer who can tell you they still don't have it figured out. But our confusion tells us, just be quiet. Our doubt tells us, just be quiet. Our fear tells us, just be quiet. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And everything around us is telling you to to just shut your mouth. Just, just, just stop. Be content. You're good enough at begging. You've got money. You've got income. Stay where you are. You're just a beggar. You fill a role in society. Be thankful. That you're anything. Right? Who are we to ask for healing? I, there are people who need much more than me. Right? I can't... Like, I would rather pray for this person because they really have a bad thing, but I'm, I'm okay, I guess. And it tells you to be quiet. I have one message for you today. One action step for today. And here it is. We need to shout louder. We need to shout louder. The crowds are going to tell you to be quiet. And you know what you need to do? You need to stand up and shout louder. Louder than your doubt. Louder than your fear. Louder than your act of understanding. I do not understand this. I've been following Jesus for a long time. I've been prayed for countless people who were not healed. Personally, I have prayed to people and nothing visible happened. Going, God, what are you? I don't understand. 
trying to figure this out. I'm trying to do what you want. I'm praying and it seems like nothing is happening. I prayed for some people that told me that God did heal them. Okay, great. I don't know. They said it was healed. Okay, they said they were healed. I don't know. I am more convinced than ever that I will never understand this. I will do this for the rest of my life. And I am more convinced now that healing is not something I will understand or get the corner on the market. I'm just not going to figure it out. But I am more committed than ever to shouting loudly for what I want. Because God tells me to. And I believe God is standing here saying, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? means he's inviting you. Tell me. Tell me. And in even just the telling, there's something that happens. Just in the asking, something happens. You acknowledge your weakness. You acknowledge his greatness. You acknowledge the gap in between. You say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you just to be God. So I'm going to ask. I'm going to shout louder. I'm not going to let anybody make me quiet. I believe that God wants to heal today. Today. To be honest, I want healing that God wants to give. Whatever God wants to heal, I want it. I want it for our church. I want it for our community. I want it for our town. I want it for our state, for our country. I want the healing God wants to bring. And I don't want to stop it because the crowds are telling me to be quiet. I want healing for everybody with cancer. I want healing for everybody with MS. I want healing for every eye that is losing sight, for every ear that is going quiet. I want healing for every mind that is losing its memory, for every cranky joint, for every undiagnosed affliction that they can't figure out. The doctors don't know what it is, but you know you don't feel good. I want, a, I want healing for all of it. I want healing for every dietary issue, for every mental, for every mental affliction, for every dietary, for every addict. I want healing I want healing that God wants to give. And I'm going to shout for it. I'm going to shout louder for it. When my fears and doubts and skepticism are are telling me to keep my mouth closed, I'm going to resolve to shout louder. You're going to try and tell me to be quiet? Come on. I'm Jersey. You tell me to be quiet? You, You ain't heard nothing yet. Somebody was sharing and they said, you know, there's something about the tone of Bartimaeus that cut through. And there was a crowd around Jesus. This is one blind beggar. There were probably other beggars. But there was something about the tone of his voice that cut through and got to Jesus' ears. The depth of your need determines the volume of your voice. You're willing to shout in such a way that communicates your desire for God to work. I believe today that God's going to heal some people immediately. I believe that today God will start a healing process that may take time for some. For others, God will only heal us in eternity. And in eternity, listen, eternity is the ultimate healing. You know, we, we know that. Jesus, new bodies. New beings. It's going to be great. I'm telling you, I'm going to be at least 5'10". <laughs> when we shout, we trust the timing of God. We say, God, however, I'm not going to follow the clock. 
God, healing is not on my clock. It's on your clock. I'm just going to follow my compass. And my compass tells me to ask, and I will trust you for the timing of my healing, but I'm going to ask for it. I'm going to tell you what I want. When we answer that question, when Jesus stands and says, what do you want me to do for you? And just in the answering of the question, you know what happens? Peace. Peace, because you know that you have put it before the only one who can do anything about it. You can go to doctors for the rest of your life, and guess what? There are some things they can't fix. They're just going to go, yeah, that's medicine, that's science. I just can't. Well, guess what? There's no limits to God. He makes blind eyes see, deaf ears hear. He makes the lame walk again. He brings the dead back to life. There's nothing our God can't do. So whatever you have, it's not too big. And whatever you have, it's not too small. You just need to answer the question. So, it's time to shout. <laughs> You've been thinking about what you want. It's time to tell God, to ask Him to heal. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.